2: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Monday edition of The Call. Just gone midday Eastern Standard Time. Great to have your company as we take a look at 10 stocks over the next hour that you suggested. We put it to uh, two of our favorite experts here on the call. And uh, a bit of an emotional day. Dorothy Sodhi from Intelligent <laughs> Investor just dropped. Who, who was it? Um, Rohan. Yeah. Rohan. Yeah, my, my little boy
3: and it was yeah it was a little emotional i, I almost bawled my eyes out and he oh, was there nice. uh, he actually said if i do your job and you go to school i'll just be lounging around in pajamas all day <laughs> 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 something to that oh, effect
2: yeah. Has your wife gone off for drinks with the rest of the mothers? Usually oh, well, I'm going to go join them straight liquid after this. Lunch. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, just make sure you don't make Mathan cry, which he normally <laughs> does. Mathan and Dharam from Deep Data Analytics. Mathan, how are you? First day for your kids or did they go back last week?
0: Uh, they went back uh, Friday, um, right. boys starting high school. Oh, oh that's a milestone oh, that's too that's big too yeah. that's yeah. a big milestone yeah. um,
3: any tears there? How'd no, go? no
0: no no <laughs> we were more worried about how he goes through he's yeah, yeah. usually good for the first week yeah yeah and then he starts to get a bit bored right. um, but seems to me I've gone well oh good have gone well so I'm, I'll it's you know. really hard
2: when you go from king of the kids in primary school to really the bottom of the ladder in high school is that it can yeah. be a bit intimidating
0: he, he loves the ground, playgrounds and stuff like that, so uh, the new school's got really nice playgrounds. So he saw it behind the glass door, so now he's looking forward yeah, to it. the kids go. know what matter. Yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> exactly. exactly yeah. It oh. rained on Friday, so he's waiting for today yeah. <laughs> to get out there.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, what did you think of the uh, school-like antics on the market uh, last week? Because mm. uh, all, all the hedge fund guys just started. Crying a bit and going, oh, people are
0: ganging up on me. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's okay for them to gang up on everyone. Yeah, and it's exactly. When the, when the music turns, uh, suddenly everyone's worried. Look, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's inevitably what happens in the market. It's yeah. the late cycle. When you've got so much cheap money running around, people do stupid things. Yeah. I mean, think about it. I just could not get my head around how the regulatory board allows yep. a stock to be short at more than 100%. Yeah. Yeah
2: i mean and can't, can't happen here can it no, no at all no. So and also on ridiculous. top of
0: that you're a hedge fund you've got risk management <laughs> who the hell yeah. is in charge of risk management mm-hmm. that allows shorting in a stock that's on an aggregate basis over a hundred percent i mean you don't have to be a math genius here yeah. basic logic would tell you if this even remotely goes the other way you get killed
2: yeah, yeah and yeah. it's
0: exactly what's happening so i mean it's a handful of stocks um and they are jumping from stock to yeah. stock Mind you, I think there's a there's a bit of a hoopla being beaten up. Yeah. You know, that's a twi- well. I think it's about five six billion. It's gone to twenty
2: billion. Yeah. Um, in the peak, it was probably five six billion. Yeah, but but not often do the barbarians at the gate that's right. uh, get beaten by the villagers. That's right. Who and it was I I sort of saw it as the financial version of the um, uh, the Arab Spring. Uh, you <laughs> yeah. know, just the little guys all got together on the internet and sort of took on the big guys.
3: I loved it. I had two simultaneous thoughts. One was, I love the stick-it-to-the-man attitude that those yep. Reddit guys have, I loved it. Yep. I was cheering for them and I was right behind them. It was a great piece of original analysis yep. um, that found the opportunity. A lot of money followed that maybe wasn't so smart, but the original yeah. analysis was, was top-notch. Um, mm, it was, so commen- I, I commend it. But on the same time, I mean, Nathan sort of said it, this is, worrying behavior. This is yep. really top of the cycle yeah. when caution is all thrown to the wind, when making money is easy, this is precisely yeah. when we have to be at our most cautious. Yeah. Um, so I that this episode made me maybe just take a take a breath and, and re look mm. at the portfolio and, and get make sure our risk um, our risk profiles were where and they should
2: it, be. And I couldn't help but think that uh, they appealed to a group who would switch from their bet 360 app mm. yeah. to their Robin yes. Hood app it, it's uh, and get ga- gamifying yeah. yes. share investing yes. which if they yeah. learn about it that way that's terrific. but if they just see it as a gamble the whole time. Put well the, no thing, the, the, the into
0: big thing is different. as with any strategies, you have to understand the time frame of the strategy. yeah. So you know if you're buying a stock in the market, you're buying it from a medium to long-term perspective. This is a very, very short term trade. Yep. You know, you're going to pump it up and it's gone phenomenally past fundamentals and reality is in the end it'll come back. Yeah. So the question is, are you able to remove yourself from the process and say, I'm oh, here, yeah. yeah, I made the money, I get out. Take a profit and go. Exactly. Yep. If yeah, you yeah. did that, well done. Yeah, you yeah. Know, it's, When people say, oh, that's not fair. Well, what you do is the same thing. <laughs> it's just you just do it at a bulk level. Oh, a, there, you know, there's collusion and you go, you guys don't do it. Uh, I'd begin to It's <laughs> it's it's what big fund managers do. Yeah. And if the, if a stock is shorted for the wrong reason, by all means, I want shorters to come in. I want them to get squeezed. Yeah. If the stock is overvalued, I want shorters to come out because that's what a real efficient market, market does. Yeah. Just
3: on a side note, though, I actually really like shorters. I have a lot of yeah. respect for them. Um, all that the, they get a bad name, and yet they are, oftentimes they are the rational. Um, uh, deliverers of integrity to a market that is yeah. often wildly optimistic and, yeah. and full of fraud. Yeah. You can go through every single year of the last decade and every year um, a short seller has found a fraud that the authorities have missed and that everyone has missed. And, yeah. and so these guys are, play a really important role. They, they're usually much mm-hmm. smarter than the average long guy yeah. and we shouldn't dismiss them easily despite this kind of... It's a very good point. Yeah, yeah. I
0: think fraudos yeah. should be there. I yeah. actually, I mean, I look at a lot of the Shorter's uh, perceptions and what they're doing. I want to
3: be <laughs> it's, it's very
0: hard, right? And yeah. it's much harder than being long. Uh, because you hard. have. Yeah. I think it'll actually work now in their favor now that the bond yields are bottomed out because you had a 40-year cycle where being long just mm. helped you. Um, yeah. So I think they're coming back in fashion. The short squeeze, I think, is just certain stocks, when people go a bit stupid, yeah. uh, go overboard. I mean, you saw that in a local market just the last couple of months when you had the lithium stocks turn, right? Yeah. Lithium price started to run. We had three lithium stocks what we have in our market all three had like 15 percent short you sit there and go that will take you two to three months to cover
2: yeah
0: and average if you look at it as half the volume it'll take you six months to cover guess what happened all those stocks tripled in value yeah nobody complained because lithium price went up they got it wrong and they had got squeezed yeah
2: Yeah. it is what it is okay all right speaking of which before we get into your 10 stocks i choose the stock of the day I thought I'd take a look at late Resources. Um, institutional investors in Australia, North America and Europe, um, late last week, uh, were backing the, the clean lithium developer, committing to a $20 million placement at a 12% premium. Uh, Managing Director, Steve Promnitz, uh, says securing these funds give uh, certainty to deliver the flagship Kachi project uh, through a definitive feasibility study amid the rapid growth of the clean energy sector. Um, sort of went a bit under the mark has had a big increase the last two or three weeks on the back of this. Um, We haven't checked it here at uh, Oddsbiz. I don't think. So I thought, what do you think of it?
0: Yeah, I look at. I suppose all of these commodities have their cycle. Uh, We had, um, I suppose probably middle of last year to around September, the commodity cycle started, US dollar was on a downward spiral, China's data were improved, all of that worked. And they pushed on to the the clean energy play. The Chinese were pushing hard. And then you had, obviously, the blue wave come through in the U.S. that's pushing through the renewables as well. Big positive. Um, As we were discussing before, lithium stocks, graphite stocks, they've gone dramatically higher over the last two to three years, especially in the last year. And lithiums have Mm. smashed the prices. Um, So in that context, uh, we we did like lithium. Um, It's had a big run. I tend to play through the bigger players. Now, the other issue being is the sovereign risk. Uh, yep. Obviously these these are uh, substantially uh, COVID affected countries. Uh, so you don't know how things are gonna play out. My worry is if you're looking at emerging markets, vaccination will run into next year. Yep. So there's still a couple of years where the, things are gonna be quite patchy and things mm-hmm. could go into lockdowns and so forth. Um, so again, this is very early stage. You're going to be putting in a lot of money and in minds the initial, commodity boom that's what you want to be in the, all these explorers run and when they're trying to build a plant that's usually the tough time right. because costs will run above what they think there'll be issues in getting approvals and times delayed and some of these some of these things could be delayed for years right so that's the risk that you have it's a small cap that you run into those things so that's the risk the upside is renewable energy yes but is the solution going to be lithium? Is it going to be hydrogen? I don't know, but I think everything will play part of it. Right. So yes, there will be. Uh, I think the lithium so- scenario will play out, but you know we tend to play it with the bigger guys who are in right. production, and the one that. So this is too early.
2: Too, too early. For too, you. early
0: yep. too risky in a market where multiples are so high. Yeah. If the market turns out, these are the kind of stocks that people run out of because they're very illiquid and you need to get out. Yeah. Um, so those things can move down quite quickly. So the big player for me, they're you know diversified player has been with the Lithium play, it's been MinRes and um, right. IGO. Right. They're the two big guys with multiple commodities and have Lithium exposure.
3: Right. Yeah, it's interesting about Lithium. You may think when you're buying a Lithium producer that you're buying a miner. Yeah. What you're actually buying is a technology mm. business because yeah. um, you're betting that Lithium is going to be the dominant form of ingredient for car batteries mm. and that may or may not be the case. I mean, mm. car makers are exceptionally good at, um, at changing... Um, at innovating. They're, they're good at, uh, at uh, recognizing when input costs become too expensive and then substituting for a different input cost. When Rare Earths had their big hoopla um, eight years ago or so now, um, Toyota was making EVs hybrids and they needed Rare Earths in their hybrids. Within six months, they developed a battery um, that was completely Rare earth free within right. six months. And okay. um, they're now, I mean, the technology moves so fast, these guys are so nimble. Um, th- there is no guarantee that lithium is going to take off, so uh, my preference would not be for a pure play. Um, I'm, I'm actually. This is a terrible way to start the show, but I completely agree with Nathan.
1: Um,
3: Minres, more, it, you just—it right. is one of the great businesses on the ASX. Right.
2: Okay. Mm. I'll, I'll,
3: yeah. We'll talk about but it, another day. But but this oh, is right. it's he gone overboard.
2: No. You, I look, I, I opened the door for it. No, <laughs> <and> no, no, <laughs> and no, and no, no. And he backs you up and goes. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't say
0: It's a bit. There's a few spots in the market where management is a. You know, you're either like them or you hate them. There's yeah. no middle ground. And MinRes is one of those. I mean, the guy's done really well, right? Yep. I can't fault what he's done. But there is a substantial part of the market. Just do not like him. He it. doesn't like right. him. Okay. So you got that problem. It's, it's You know, there are certain stocks with that play. But look, I think they've done really well. For me, the IGO after the uh, buy into the lithium makes yeah. it. nickel. got a gold project as well, which is probably they're going to sell. And they've got the lithium play. I think... Nickel will always remain in the renewable play, and you get the lithium, which may or may not be the answer, mm. so you get that play as well. The same thing with res, they've got right. the iron ore crushing, they've got the lithium play, they've got few ponies in there. Interestingly, um, there is more talk about Iluca,
1: mm. moving yes, into that's right. well, Linus's rare yeah.
0: earth manufacturer as well. So yeah. there's a lot of people trying to move into that renewable space, yeah, right. so don't discount it.
2: But be part of a portfolio. That's it. All right, Um, Gaurav Shipneat wants a view on uh, Fenix Resources. Yeah. Uh, Iron ore company, um, Iron Ridge, the iron ore project, Mm. uh, has just signed a, a lot of deals with port agreements and things like that seems to be gearing up.
3: My thank you to the viewer here. I'd never heard of Fenix before, and when I saw it on the list, I chuckled to myself thinking, "Ah, oh, look at this. Someone's asked for an iron ore business at the height of the iron ore price. This is going to be easy to dismiss. And I had a quick look at it. And that, that quick look turned into a very long look because this is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> like I was yeah. quite surprised. Phoenix is, is mining a very high-grade, simple operation. Um, it's, it's in WA, um, Iron Ridge, as you pointed yeah. out. It's, it's uh, what's known as direct shipping ore. So it's, it's all that um, you literally just have to dig up Crush and then put it on the truck and ship it off. There's no processing really required for this. It, it's 64% iron, which is um, a premium to uh, international benchmarks, so you get very good pricing on this. Now, this is the kicker though the cost of the cash costs are about $75, $76 a ton. Fortescue and BHP do it for $12 and $13 bucks a wow. ton. And the yeah, reason it's yeah. so expensive, I've always said this iron ore is not a mining business, it's a logistics business. Iron ore is about moving lots and lots of rock from one spot to another spot. And the way these guys are moving rock is they're shipping it on, they're putting it on trucks and they're driving 500 kilometers um, over to port. And as you can imagine, that's a very expensive way to move. So there's not a
2: train. There's no no train line. No one's
3: talking about building a train line. This is a bunch of very entrepreneurial people who have bought a project two years ago, managed to get it up and running within two years, about to get into production. I reckon the total cost of this is probably around 90, between 90, $95 a tonne, including royalties and, and taxes. Now that sounds um, bonkers, and ordinarily you wouldn't look at it. Yeah. But iron ore prices are what, $180, 190 yeah. a tonne. They're, they're about to go into production. The market cap is 100 million or so. There is a, sh- you have a shot here. For me, this is intelligent speculation. Right. I mean, you're know, buying something that has no chance or or a probability that you can't assess is foolish but buying something where the probability is okay and the market probably hasn't priced it to match Mm. the probability I wouldn't buy it myself but I can see a case for this Um, if you're a a speculative type of investor you can put a few percentage into this I think it's They it's what, likely to lose money but it might actually uh, surprise you
2: so but most of that 90 dollars a ton yes, it's is it's just transport, transport.
3: Yeah. it's about uh, 50 bucks of that is just transport wow um, okay. and that right. depends on so you could have there's lots of things that could happen here you know diesel prices could fall materially and yeah. um, we know oil prices have probably lower now than they were when these guys did their feasibility study yeah, yeah. there's a few interesting things that could happen um it's a tiny project it's probably seven right. year life but I reckon Nick could be worth oh, more than se- market cap.
2: Seven year care. life. So it's a small project,
3: oh,
0: okay. yeah. Yeah, it's a, it, covered it quite well. I mean, I, th- I think the, the whole interesting part about it is it just shows you how well FMG has done Yeah, yeah. to get yeah, to where right. they are. And they, you know, it's a potential, you look at these kind of players and go, it's a potential for one of the other bigger players to absorb it and put it into part of their portfolio. Um, so if they needed to add better grade. Someone like FMG could buy that and then grab that for a few years to boost their numbers uh, to make it look a bit better quality to when they mix it with their product. So that's where I think the upside is. Um, Like at 95 or you know, all in cost, it's not that bad because I mean, it's 150. One well, in the short term, yeah, yeah. you're at um, I mean, not not compared to the other Mm. guys, but Mm. when you're I think it's now down to 155, 160. Mm. But I think with the problems that Brazil has, you're probably going to get. 120-odd, I would say, around that level where the support will kick in, at least for a year, year and a half. At some point, Vale will get things sorted. Um, and then when that happens, given the advantage you have to Aussie dollars as the real, yeah. um, you just get killed. So most of these projects will struggle. And the Chinese are investing a fair amount in South America and in Africa to get a number of iron ore projects up and running and they've built the infrastructure for them. Um, So it's Chinese sponsored projects, so they will come into play over the next 12 to 18 months. So there's a window for these guys. And my guess is they're probably uh, packing it up for to be sold to someone uh, as part of their portfolio. I just don't think if they're remaining as an independent project, um, you know, after a year or two, this will get into trouble. So if you're there, if you know management.
2: not, Not a case of, hey, early costs, because this is a massive project. And marginal costing no. will kick in, and I'll bump it up. No, to... Yeah, the no, scale's no. not there, right? Yeah, the whole thing—it costs ten
3: million something. dollars to set this operation up. Right. I think it's it's a it's a cleverly designed yeah. operation that that's quickly come on stream to take advantage of the the pricing environment. Right. Okay. I, I, right. I, I I'm it's I,
1: a,
0: again, yeah. yeah. It's as you said, we would have never seen this. Yeah, right, I would have you never mention. So oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a yeah. lot of stocks today that I went what? Okay, I had to look up. And yeah, so it's cash educational.
2: Yeah, mm. all right. Thank you for that. That's a great suggestion. Everyone's watching it now. Um, Nathan Pauline wants a view on Cooper Energy, the exploration and production company uh, <laughs> in the Cooper Basin. It's had a massive share price but, uh, fall over the last 12 months and and a horrible financial year, last financial year.
0: Yeah, well, I was just laughing because when Gatham sent it out, uh, you know, he wanted to go to a bigger energy player. Yeah, I right. said, we were talk about the energy sector, but no, what here? Well, I want to hear what VRM says about key for energy. Yeah. Uh, look, it's, it's, it's basically been the underperformer, and that's yeah. why I think most people are looking at it. Um, but, you know, energy prices uh, to Japan is at pretty close to all-time highs. Um, you know, if you're not doing well now, um, there's tough times ahead. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I haven't dug through the details. It's something that we used to follow before, um, I used to look at it quite a bit and this and Cenex on the smaller side um, but since it broke out of our model probably about 12 months ago we kind of lost interest and yeah. I was looking at it going wow it's come back a fair way a it way. should it should be in the value trade at some point uh, you know there's a lot of people have uh, very um, I suppose different views in the energy sector you're either bullish or bearish yeah. I, I think look we were one where we think the lockdown slow down and the energy prices will come off Uh, But, the question being is there's a counterbalance, Um, yes OPEC can fudge the market, but at some point if the oil price doesn't go high enough, shale will get into problem, especially Mm. with what's happening in the US, and once shale gets out of the game, and a lot of people get shut down, then there's a supply-demand dynamics changes, US becomes an importer, and then as they do that, then you'll get structural upside in the energy sector yes renewables will come and that'll that'll take a bit of time and during that time the energy stocks should do quite well so if you start to see economic recovery post a bit of a clean out in the next three to six months uh, and then you see shell leave the area then overall energy sector should have a pretty good couple of years right. despite all the macro against it it will because of the timing of things how they play out um, so in that context i would be interested but look as i said the model just doesn't like it. It doesn't add up on anything at the moment. It looks yeah. ugly, and it looks so ugly, I'm actually looking forward to listening to <laughs> Grav explain it. That's why I wanted him to talk about this one.
3: Yeah, I, I actually, I, I said to Gotham, can't we do something a bit more interesting? And Cooper, I don't really want to have a look at this, but Nathan insisted, and so here we are. Um, that, look, I think one of the, the mistakes investors make in the commodities and resources space is they, they enter into an inherently risky um, variable sector, and then they go off and try and find low risk certainty in what is an inherently risky sector. I think a better approach is to accept that you're entering into um, volatile territory and make and embrace the volatility. If, if things pay off, make sure, if you're using a risky part of your por- portfolio to dabble in this area, take the high beta play. Take, take on risk, make this um, a risk on bet for you. Don't try and... Um, and walk into a risky part of the market and then try and and claw the risk back. Often that just leaves you no, your upside is limited and you're still taking on lots of risk. I mean, what's the benefit of that? And I think that adequately explains what's going on here with Cooper. Uh, Cooper is a a gas producer with a hodgepodge of of smallish assets all over the place. Look, it's it's nothing, the asset quality is nothing exciting. It's actually quite sensibly managed and what the management has done is that they've taken these gas assets and they've signed Uh, contracts um, to have stable prices and stable cash flows from gas contracts at really um, low margin. It's not a high margin business the way many energy companies are. Um, But it is very stable, it does produce cash flow. Um, But the contracts are all, it's 70% their business is contracted. For me, I'm just not interested in going into Mm. an energy business where there's no upside. Um, And the upside here is very limited. And you contrast that with something like an oil search or even a Woodside, um, you know, these are big established businesses with wonderful quality assets and proven management teams and they will actually work if the oil price moves. Right. Um, their cash flows can meaningfully increase. You're rewarded for taking on additional risk and I just don't think you are rewarded um, in the case of Cooper for taking on the additional yeah. risk. They've, it, 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 is, it is a well structured business in the conventional sense but mm. if you're wading into oil and gas that's not what you're looking for you want to try and embrace
2: risk and you know we won't find that here okay all right so uh pauline there you go there's the answer on uh cooper energy you have a mate on happy with that yeah good,
0: Excellent. So.
2: good. It didn't sound like it oh
1: uh, yeah disappointed sorry yeah no
0: the thing was with uh cooper has been i mean we all discussed energy sector a number of times yeah, yeah. i think statistically beach and santos always come up first. I never like those two. I know, but yeah. they always do. And yeah, they always The beta do. works for them. Yeah. Um, and the yeah, LNG prices true. where they are compared to oil prices, that's just a hands-down yeah. winner. Yeah. And then you get to Woodside's probably number three for the risk return, the size, scale, and the quality management. And then Oil Search comes out. Oil Search used to be that it was between Woodside and Oil Search, yeah. but now it's between Beach and Santos. They're yeah. the top two. Yeah. So that's turned, And then you get the, the players in the outside. And growth right. The... Like the market tends to jump on things like Karun Gas, Galilee, because they at least got that upside when things improve. Mm. And Cooper's been one of those ones where you've had a, a decent bounce and it hasn't flown
2: through. Yep. So yep. why would you take okay. that risk? All right, let's go from uh, gas to uh, chooks and turkey and things like that. Zara wants be, um forever on Ingham's group, the um, Australia's biggest producer of poultry. and. And also stock feed as well.
3: This has actually come up a few times now. I believe, I think this is the third time we've spoken Mm -hmm. about it, Nathan. I'm surprised it comes up as often as it does. I mean, Ingham's is a, it used to be a wonderful quality business that was taken over by private equity, and they've ruined it. (laughs) It used to be fully integrated, own its own feeding operations, own its own land, it was vertically integrated, and the whole thing was well controlled, well the managed. The family did it well. The family did it very well. Yep. And private equity came in, they sold off all the land, um, they sold off parts of the business, paid themselves hundreds of millions of dollars in dividends, yep. loaded up with debt, and then sold it to the market. Right. And what you're left with is a, still an okay business, but yep. certainly nowhere near um, meeting its potential. Yep. Uh, and, and
2: because I, of the debt
3: that the debt is, is a problem. A lot of it is actually leases, so you're stuck with these long-term leases, yeah. which is not attractive. You only have one major competitor, um, Steggles, and it's very difficult to import chickens into Australia because of um, quarantine regulations. So the market's not terrible, and chicken, chicken um, pound for pound is the cheapest way to get protein, so yeah. you've, it's not a bad product. The issue really is a structural one here. What you're seeing is a huge explosion in these fake meat varieties. Um, you can see it in your supermarket. Yep. Go and see, yeah, yeah, yeah. measure the growth of the section for, for fake meat. It is going yep. nuts. And I think there's some cannibalization happening from genuine chicken mm. producers. Um, I think that's an issue. The, the financial performance just not, has not been very attractive. Mm. And um, I don't know how you get this business kicking again because it's not awfully managed. It's only got one other competitor um, you've got higher meat consumption really and yeah. there's a lot of good positives and yet the financial performance isn't really firing. Yeah. So are you, are you probably have to investigate what's going on here. There's, yeah. a, there's a blockage somewhere with this business and, and until you can identify that.
2: And the financial structure probably harming it. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah look I mean it's an interesting one partly because this plays into the whole short squeeze problem. Yeah. Uh, this is short at about 8% from memory. Um, now if you look at mm. the turnover of how much this stock does you pretty much have to buy everything that traded in the last month yep. uh, to cover it. So if there is any kind of short squeeze, um, this thing pops hard because it's illiquid and mm. you can't cover it quickly enough. Yep. It's, it's no GameStop, let's put it that way, uh, but it's still heavily shorted. Now the last update for, for the market was in November and management said the demand is higher than what they expected. Mm. So the overall business, yes, it's highly leveraged. Um, and, you know, as, as Gurab explained, private equity. Yep. They don't do favors for other people. Um, so if you're getting something, <laughs> you better be good <laughs> at it. Um, right. So they have lev- taken a fair bit out of it. But the macro thematic with all the lockdowns, um, the demand for chicken continues to do quite well, despite the non-meat play. Mm. Uh, so that's holding up quite well. The macro thematic is good. It's a value trade. So I look at it in, in the three main. Or the main thematics are an Aussie dollar earner, so Aussie dollar is going to be higher than US dollar yeah. in, the, in the medium to long term. You've got defensive earnings from a value territory, um, and it's underheld, it's not a, a crowded trade. Mm-hmm. So, in that context, in a market pullback, this will actually hold up well, if not go mm-hmm. higher, because you're going to be a lot more defensive. Because okay. yeah. the usual so you'd defensive be a ones, buyer? Are, I'm a buyer, uh, it's in our model, um, okay. and this and the other one is Tassel, we have. And um, both of them have a similar kind of play, it's a yeah. f- domestic food play, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they're geared up, uh, but I think Tassel is 12% short. Right. And I, th- I think that'll take you a month and a half to cover it. Uh, so okay. in that context, we looked at it and said, okay, both of these stocks are priced and been shorted to the point where they need to have a downgrade. Right. That's already in the price. Yeah. So if they don't have a downgrade, if they say, oh, we're good, then this Could thing will get bounce. covered. And okay. Ingham already has said that their demand is doing better than what they expected. So if they keep to that trend, then we should see Ingham go okay. higher. All
2: right, there you go, um, Zara. Thank you for that. Speaking of private equity, buggering up a business <laughs> and, uh, in a totally different. You know, let's take a look at Meyer. Uh, ah. Is is Meyer mm. in your model? Oh for the the same reason? Uh,
0: oh my God! Um, uh, <laughs> it's you know I, I remember back in the day. Um, I think mm. it was late '90s. The very yeah. first time Citigroup sent me on a conference to New York and friends of mine there took me to the outlet mall. I went to the shops and I realized, my God, we're getting ripped off. <laughs> and, and then when I w- started to work there, um, I used to, every weekend, take two empty suitcases, <laughs> shop like buggery, <laughs> and then come back. Because in Australia, we get ripped off. Yep. Like, yep. horrendously ripped off. Yeah. So, in you know, a retail space, I don't think I bought a single piece of clothing in 20 years right. in Australia. Right. Uh, Myer's business model is challenged. The online model, is dramatically uh, going to cha- you know, chase them around. David Jones was bought by Woolworths South Africa. Yeah. They're not doing that <laughs> great. Uh, so it's, you know, they're in this declining business model. They need to change it around. They bought labels, South Africa, Woolworths. They own, they buy brands, and then Country they try and use and it to everywhere else. Yep. Now, can these guys do that? They've tried that, that hasn't worked. Actually, the last, you know, the last move around by management has actually done better Than what we expected so it's they've done really well in a crap business model um i just don't get excited by this and we've had phenomenal handout like i mean the coalition government used to complain about how much handout the labor government did at gfc yeah that's not even in the planet like we're talking yeah we've gone to mars in the kind of handout we've done so if you're not doing well now you're not going to do well in the next couple of years so you're buying something um I don't know why you're buying it. Uh, I, I, I just don't see the value in the business model. They can run it a bit better. Uh, you know, there's some businesses have done really well compared to what I expect Like Shave shop Temple uh, mm. and Webster, you know, those are online, but yeah. Shops and stuff done well because they've been able to manage both sides. I just don't think Maya's had yeah. so many goes at this. I think it's just too hard.
2: Much love like brand, everyone wants it to succeed. Just been a horrible business. <laughs> just quickly
3: to Nathan's point about retail. Um, Australian retailers do not make higher returns than anywhere else in the world, no. despite retail prices being higher.
2: I a lot it's, more in yeah, yeah,
3: and wage. We are the, yeah, yeah. I think, the second highest wage yeah. country in the world, and our land prices and rentals are highest. Actually, yeah. the property owner's getting super normal cut yeah. out of the profits, not the retailer. But that's a different story. Um, Maya, yes, this is gonna shock you. This is going to shock you. We w- One of the things we like to do, Intelligent Investor, is, um, is be forced to look at a business that you know for absolutely, so- as a certainty, is garbage. Yep. And that produces more opportunities <laughs> than you might imagine <laughs> <laughs> no, <I laughs> So no we, we bought okay. uh, Whitehaven coal uh, yeah. well, last yes. year yeah, um, yeah. yeah and it's done fantastically well and no one even myself do not want to look at that and we've forced ourselves to do it. Maya is another one we have forced ourselves to look at and I must say the team doesn't like Maya it's not an official buyer recommendation but I'm a shareholder in Maya myself. Um, I think there's an interesting opportunity here actually. Mm. Maya is only a $250 million business. It does, what, $2 billion in sales. Nathan, how much um, online sales do you think Maya has as a proportion of total sales? I think now it's
0: probably pretty high. Yeah, I I when, when, when that question was put to me, I yeah, said- I think it's probably about 60,
3: 60%? No, no, not, not oh, quite that high. Oh, when high. someone asked me that question, I answered nine or 10%. Yeah. The, the, the oh, actual is- percent uh, It's actually 28% and is okay. growing mm. rapidly. Now, those sales are profitable. Can you imagine if you just took those online sales and called it Maya Co or yeah, My Maya Online? What multiple that would generate? Mm. Like that, these are phenomenal. Um, yeah. It's got a v- it's got inbuilt distribution. I mean, you've got um, a click and collect system ready to go that works. Um, they've got warehouses that work. There is room here for improvement. They're still generating $2 billion of sales. They don't really have a sales problem, they have a margin problem, yeah. um, but they're addressing that, and I think there's a, this online opportunity okay. is better than what people expect. Right.
0: Look, I have to give, I have to give credit. This, the new CEO yeah. has yes. done phenomenally well in a crap business. Right. And yes, there is potentially, but my problem is, can, can they make that transition? Right now, mm. all the guys who've done well I had phenomenal multiples, right? They, they, that shouldn't be the case. Mm. And these guys are missing out in the best timing for the cycle for the sector. Will they get that in a year or two? They probably will do better, and they probably will get more and more online. But at but this, price this, yeah. yeah. at yeah. this price and this valuation. At this price, yeah. Just, it's just
2: hard now, to see. Now, let me be
3: clear. I think Maya is gonna not exist in between five or 10 years time. I think no. it is going mm. broke eventually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or in its current form. I think yeah. there's something to be salvaged. But as as a short-term speculation, which mm. I don't often do, but this is the mm. kind of market okay, where opportunities yeah. sometimes yeah. pop up. All right. Um, I'm a shareholder, and I think it's interesting for a speculation. Okay.
0: Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll put one thing out there. Mm. I read on the weekend: Toys R Us in the U.S. Mm. Mm. shut their last two stores in the U.S. Wow. Mm. There is no more Toys R mm. Us. And and I sent a picture of uh, I've got on my fridge. Uh, my sister lives in New York. When we went last time, we went there pre-COVID. Um, we actually went to the main, you know, this is back in the day, Manhattan store, yeah. uh, the wheel, we went inside the store, yeah. took a photo with my, my daughter and I with them. And I sent them and said, this is the, you know, we'll never be able to do that again. That was a phenomenal brand. And I just <laughs> oh, yeah. sat there yeah, and said, yeah, yeah, how do you not repackage that? Yeah, and that's, that's what right. worries me. That was such a huge yeah. brand. I went
2: broke here, yes. yeah. went into administration. Yeah. Uh, it was a disruptor that didn't keep disrupting itself. Yeah. It didn't change the model. Uh, all right, uh, Fitstock, uh, Goreb Telstra. Is this an interesting play? I think you dubbed this as one of the worst run <laughs> businesses on the market in yep. the past.
3: And we own it. <laughs> 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 yeah, okay. it, it has. Well, I've spent, I've spent oh, how long has I been doing telcos? So I spent at least five or six years yeah. um, just relentlessly paying out Telstra. When the price yeah. was six bucks, five bucks, four bucks, I'm just saying this is an awful business, awfully managed. And uh, last year, we turned around and bought it. Um, mm-hmm. And we turned around and bought it because this new strategy that they have, um, I think it's going to make a difference. So in the past, my criticism of Telstra has always been they've known for years that um, their their very juicy monopoly margins from selling wholesale copper, fi- copper, ne- yep. copper access is going to disappear and be replaced by NBN. They've known it for a decade. And their response was uh, they squeezed the government for a big pile of money and they just handed that money back to shareholders. They did nothing to invest in the company. And so you're seeing um, profits erode by about $3 billion a year, have just disappeared from um, um, the P&L in Telstra. Now they've tried to fill that gap by making blind crazy acquisitions left, right and centre and they've done that for half a decade and it's all ended in disaster. I think now they have finally come to the admission that uh, the business has changed, we're not just going to go out and blindly blind, um, buy stuff, we're going to adapt. And this mm. is what the breaking up of the businesses is all about. This is Telstra's admission that the exter- external environment has changed, yeah. and this is their response. I think it's a very good response. So Telstra will split into a fiber business, yeah. into a towers business, and into a services business. I'm very interested in that towers business. I think that's potentially worth $2, 4000000000 billion. I think that infrastructure business is potentially worth
1: Hmm.
3: many billions of dollars and you've still got a decent mobile business on top of that this is not a wonderful business but I think it, it has its asset rich with a lot of optionality okay. and management for the first time is now taking steps to monetize some of these interesting assets okay. so we, we we own it I'm a shareholder. I'm not, I'm not sure sorry we yeah. our fund owns it so you're a buy at 312 yes buy at 312 okay.
0: Yeah, look. Oh, oh, it's painful. I have to agree with it. Oh yeah. uh, yes, it's
3: <laughs> who would have thought? Buy and buy Yeah, look. <laughs> in this
0: one, um, I have to say,
3: mm.
0: oh, it's been a dog for a long time. Yeah, they come up with fantasy. You've dreams. been scathing. Yeah. Oh look. I've called cool that CEO is going to get fired yeah. if the next one doesn't plan and pan out. And this is Andy Penn's save my ass deal um, <laughs> because he was going to mm. get shafted in the next restructuring. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: it's it had. Graphs, right, I mean, they went. I think they went into Asia trying to buy a high margin yep. business model and then they looked at it, they tried everything, right? It just didn't work. They're a big gorilla, they need to make a big move. The problem is every time they make a big move, it comes with regulatory risk. Telecom sector globally is a crap industry, yep. it's just crap. Um, TPG, David Teo, great at selling a dream. Uh, dreams always kind of turn out to be nightmares every so often and it did. Uh, it's the easy gains that they were talking about, the, the low cost. We should talk on. about TPG next time around. Yeah. Yeah. And And those mm. things were never going to work out because it was all based on uh, Huawei and a lot of my friends who work in the industry said <clears> that's <throat> never going to come in. Yeah. Uh, so in that context, they had they a different play. Now, Telstra, for me, the big thing that the reason I turned from being negative to positive was purely on the fact that their strategy is to sell the infrastructure. Now, they split this infrastructure. Why? Because NBN is a complete mess. That mm. needs to be hidden, bef- you know, and, and the government doesn't want to deal with it. The only person who is going to be able to step up to buy is the infrastructure part of Telstra right. that makes it into a much bigger and much better business it's like chorus in New Zealand yeah you put it together uh, and so I think that's where this is headed and uh, the divestment of that will then ab- ability to bring back the balance sheet for Telstra to yes. do more things and then yes. they can compete really. this is this is
3: key actually yeah. what they the, the worst thing about Telstra is it pays stupidly high dividends mm. it cannot reinvest adequately in its own business so by hiving off An infrastructure business you can move the dividends into there and telstra mobile can finally have the cash it needs it becomes a growing business right
0: and so that's Mm -hmm. and he has to and he has to do this otherwise his job's gone so uh, i think this is this is a time to back them and i think Mm -hmm. the market if you look at the private equity place this is becoming a private equity because they've got to divest
2: okay so you get a stake in it now so you get a stake when they hide the others off and what's left is worth holding on to. Okay, so yes, for, uh, we've got Dubber coming up very shortly as well. So, oh, in that te- technology uh, area, let's recap the first five stocks uh, Lake Resources, a no from, uh, from both Gorev and Mathan Minerals uh, Resources is a bit of it there. Um, Phoenix Resources, a no from Mathen. If you want a speculative buy in the area, um, after looking at it quite surprisingly mm. Gorab sees it as a spec buy um Cooper Energy no um Ingham's a yes from Mathan what's mm. it a no from Gorab Meyer the reverse um <laughs> Gorab Gour- <laughs> actually has gone into it and thinks that is worth a look after bagging mm. it for a decade um and Mathan is still bagging it so no <laughs> and uh, Telstra a yes from both of them so uh, uh, they're our first five stocks uh, let's get into the uh, into the second um, group as we get going through um, shall I tell you about the cold no because we're running out of time and I want to get through these five stocks I might will go through the uh, the portfolio uh, at the end of the show um, uh, Nathan, what about Dubba? Barney wants a view on dubber um your software as a service telephony uh, voice data from um, conversation uh quarterly revenues up during covid has done all right
0: yeah look I mean it's uh, oh, the poor man's happen, um, as mm. I would put it um, oh, now okay. I think the, if you look at the overall dynamics one thing um when I you know I've got ADhD so I can't read too much and lose interest or listen to people too much <laughs> but kathy um, would Uh, one of the things that I learned from her presentations um, is the fact that you don't need to pick the winner you want to pick the guys in the right thematic and if they've got decent market share and they're growing in that sector you as long as you have exposure in that sector the overall dynamics will lift you and if you think of where we are headed um, you know AI virtual reality augmented reality that is the future and everything that flows into it the biggest commodity over the next 20 years is not something comes out of the ground, it's data, yep. right? So, who, who collects data, manipulates data, will be the main guy. So, DABA is, you know, it, it's, a, it's an interesting one, it's doing well, it's growing, and, um, you know, I've heard about it for about well, three, four years now, and mm. I still like it, I think it looks yeah. good, but beware that we are in a overpriced mm. tech market, mm. yeah. right? And micro-caps, have substantially outperformed. We're talking more than a decade high outperformance over small caps. So every small cap fund manager is basically getting performance by being in micro caps. So a lot of these things have gone really high. So there will be in a pullback cycle, which I think we're in. These things will come back hard. Appen has come back hard. Yep. And Daba hasn't actually held up pretty well. So my worry is some of these things will come off. I think it's one to keep on your radar. I'm not chasing it right now. But I think it is worth keeping an eye on.
2: Would you buy Apple on the pullback? Hell yeah! It is okay. Go ahead. Right.
3: Yeah, this is a put this on your watch list. This is a very interesting business. Um, yeah. We've been looking at this. I, I don't feel as though this is the right time. To buy a 40 time sales yeah. software business, yeah. it just feels a bit off. So that's why we don't we don't own this. But we it's on the watch list. We're kind of doing a bit more work on it. Um, very simply, Dubber takes voice recordings and turns the, those voice recordings into data, which yeah. is which the customer can then used for a whole lot of other purposes. Um, across devices, it can, it can shift that shift that data across, um, it can use it for different uh, yep. marketing purposes and across different different platforms. Extremely useful service for the customer. And it only costs eight bucks a user per month or so. Yeah. Like, it, 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 for the amount of value this thing can generate, the pricing seems extremely low. Yep. And the unit economics, and by that I mean, what happens when a customer is added to the system? What happens to, to gross profits? exceptional so this can scale very nicely the competition in this area is extremely weak Um, and they these guys have their claws right into the global telco so they have access to um, voice systems that the competitors just do not have access to very interesting business run by an owner uh, founder manager Hmm. Um, I you know it's the valuation that's just keeping me And, and also this from experience I've just the market just feels a bit off it's not a, a thing an analyst should say at all, that the feeling is not right. But um, my System 2 gut is telling me that this is not the right time it, to be buying. We're in a
0: growth-to-value switch, yeah. so tech stocks will come back. They, they'll be the winners, but they just won't get the multiples. So yeah. just wait for things to settle But this is on them. my
3: list. I, this yeah. is a company
2: yeah. I would I actually like to top top buy. All right. Uh, still in the tech space, mm-hmm. uh, Videos, Phineos, uh, which is sort of a, an administration platform for mm-hmm. the insurance industry, yeah. uh, based in Ireland.
3: Yeah, we've had a look at this as well. Look, it ticks boxes. It should be a good business. It it provides absolutely mission-critical software to the insurance company. When you make a claim through your insurer, it's Phineos' software that actually manages and handles that claim. So their churn rates are minuscule, um, but they've only got like 50 customers around the world. Their customers are extremely powerful, and they sell themselves as a SaaS business, and the market has at times valued them as one, but I don't think this is a SaaS business. 50% of their revenue actually comes from um, bespoke maintenance and and, um, and installation work, Um, not really recurring revenue. Um, So I think the valuation today is probably adequate. I'm also very suspicious of an Irish business that comes down here yeah. and lists when there's <laughs> no re- connection to Australia. <laughs> for that reason alone, I wouldn't buy it. I'd give this another two or three years of listing history right. and then come back to look at okay. it. Okay.
0: Yeah, I think the, the, the last bit, <coughs> what he said, is yeah, always, yeah. always yeah, a flag, yeah. red flag for me. Yeah. Um, insurance sector overall has been beaten up. Yeah. Um, it's one I, I'm interested in. Um, the guys who've actually really outperformed are insurance brokers. So, Ozbrokers yeah. and Steadfast—they've killed it. Yeah. Uh, but while the insurance companies have underperformed, I actually like the insurance companies here on a value trade. Uh, because as the rotation comes through, banks have outperformed; insurance yeah. hasn't. So as the reflation plays out, it'll be better for the insurance sector. You like Iog, exactly. You? Yeah. Oh, I'm a big you like fan. Like Iog, of... yeah. yeah.
3: Those are words that don't get said very yeah, often. Yeah, I know. It's what I
0: call an ugly boy. Everything oh, looks ugly, okay. and yeah. I like it because of it. And yeah. it's an Aussie dollar earner. Yeah. I like QBE, but the, I think the U.S. dollar works against it. Um, so I think where I think U.S. dollar is headed, right. so Aussie dollar benefits. Interesting. Oh look, yeah. this one, um, yeah, gross hit it on the head. It's got a few red flags for me. It's a tech business. Right now, I'm not chasing a single tech business, even if they're classified as tech. What about Ordinate? Right. Huh? Yeah, I'm not, I wouldn't buy Ordinate here. sacrilege!
2: Said a minute ago, you'd buy Appen.
0: No, no, I would buy Appen. I, I think Appen and Altium are the two best ones I like. At best moment, techs, yes. Because but they've
2: been beaten up.
0: They've been beaten up, but I still wouldn't buy them right now. I right. think there's still more to go, right. uh, okay. but they're the best two I would buy. Right. In the smaller end, uh, the ones I like is Ordinate and Vista Group. Again, they'll come back as well, mm. and I'll buy them later. So I'm not chasing or buying oh, okay. any tech stock at this point.
2: All right. Um, Matem Resimac, the, uh, the residential mortgage lender, basically yeah. packages, mortgages up for mortgage brokers. Ah,
0: look, we're, yeah. we're in the cycle. The government basically is throwing the kitchen sink at that sector. Um, and the recent cycle up for the property cycle has been purely driven by first home buyers. Um, I don't know if the cycle will continue Um, because the investors are not there to support it. Historically, they are the main backbone of the um, industry. So they've basically allowed people that shouldn't be borrowing to get borrowing. So that tells you where we are in the cycle. So we've had a boost. I don't think that that'll play out. It's done well, it's not cheap. Um, So I'm not, yeah, exactly. It's had a massive Mm. recovery cycle. So I'm not chasing that now.
3: I don't know, I think it does look very cheap, um, but this is an extremely complex business. You might think the activity is simple, but the accounting here is is complicated. And whenever you have a financial business, especially when it's going through a bit of a boom, you really need, it's not a, it's not good enough um, just to look at the profits, their profits are growing. You've really got to get into the nitty gritty because the way these guys recognize uh, profits is often different to what a seller of widgets, how they might recognize profits, right? It's often there's a lot of discretion involved mm-hmm. and a lot of discretion gets hidden and forgiven in boom cycles it calls on us to be extremely cautious. I would have to do a forensic accounting analysis of this to be able to buy it, and actually I have yeah. not done. Yeah. But look, everything is pointing in the right direction. Um, it doesn't look expensive. We recently bought um, AFG, Australian Financial Group, and I can tell you that took a lot of work to get that over the line. But I, I, it's a similar business. I think AFG is, is, is a better, business, better, yeah. better better quality business. Yeah. Evaluation is arguably better. And the opportunity is arguably better. So I would okay. prefer that. But right. look, it, it, this if you're prepared to put the work in, superficially, this is probably worth a look as well. Okay.
2: All right. Uh, Greg, Brian wants a view on Booktopia. Only recently uh, listed on the market. Gave mm. a, an update uh, the other day. Um, staggering, yeah. <laughs> staggering numbers. In December, they shipped 728,000 books, bringing uh, 4.2 million for the six months an increase of 40 percent because they upgraded their distribution center and that's a lot of books, that's a lot of that? books yeah, yeah
3: amazing actually I, I wasn't aware of the volumes being i mean i mean i'm yeah. a customer I, of I wasn't either yeah
2: uh, and i'm a big reader a big online reader and mm. stuff like that do you
3: buy off booktopia as well
2: uh yes it's one of them yep. i do i switch around it's great the books and it's um very intuitive Really good. I agree. Good search
3: engine. Um, and I should have actually looked at this earlier because I am a customer and I find the experience very good as a customer. The yep. delivery is great. Yeah, the, I guess what worries me is that these guys have try, tried twice before to list and, and then they finally IPO in a very hot market yep. um, under the best external conditions you could hope for for this kind of business. Not usually a recipe for great returns. I think this is superbly managed. I like some of the things they're doing here. The investment in the DC is great. It's state of the art, um, completely robotic, uh, and a lot of latent capacity. So that's good for, you need that in this kind of business to get a scale. Um, They've taken a few stakes in in publishing houses. So they're trying to to grab a larger slice of that value chain, in very sharp and very smart thing to do this is a very competitive industry here people shop on price um there are things to like i think i read about 80 percent of their purchases are repeat customers Mm, that's very good but for me it's just listed i would just leave it for a little while watch a few results so wait for a while And more important i just want to hear a bit more from management what is their what's their advantage here they don't companies don't always have to have a definitive identifiable moat but if they don't have that, they better have pretty damn good management. Mm. And it's just too early to make that call.
0: Yeah, I have to agree. It's, you know, putting it just before Christmas. Oh, yeah. uh, yes, that's it's right. in the case, that's uh, <laughs> right. Yes, you're gonna, you're gonna do yeah. well. You're gonna, not gonna do a call in foods like when they listed and failed. Um yeah. Look, uh, you know, going through what my, especially my daughter, she reads a lot. I think the younger generation now going back to books, yeah. they're reading yes. a lot, oh, yeah. a hell of a lot. So yes, yeah. in that context, I think it's a good dynamics um, and also uh, the lockdown helps. You're stuck. You got not a lot to do. You yeah. can only play video games so much, or Netflix so much, and then people read. So yeah. I think that's happening well. So I think it plays well. But I'm a data guy. This is a unique business model that doesn't have a lot of, yeah. you know, unique play. So yeah. you want to see a couple of years, and you know, I'm not, I'm not really shocked that they had a great December. Uh, so it's a question <laughs> of how does it go afterwards. And mm-hmm. you got to remember, there's a lot of. Uh, spending that went in because people aren't traveling, they're not, you know, mm. they're all stuck at home and blah, blah. So in that context, that, that'll that always boost short term. Mm. How that, does that play out in the
2: middle, medium to long term? I don't know. Okay. So I'm going to wait and see on this one. Okay. All right, our final one, Nathan, is uh, WAM Alternative mm. Assets, formerly Blue Sky Alternatives mm. Access Fund the yeah. blue <laughs> yeah. And scale. another
3: example of where short sellers actually add some value yeah, because they've this
2: And one particular columnist um, oh, Well yes, so, quite yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes. Yes. laughs> yes. yes. That was yeah. been in the news go mm. Joe um, uh, Basically invest in real estate, private equity um, infrastructure
0: Yeah I Look, it's very hard for an investor to work all these details out now you've got to have trust in management yeah. um, at the end of the day a lot of these assets people are buying and it's it's how they perceive the value and you know following a lot of private equity trades through Europe and so forth I've learned uh, yeah uh, <laughs> there's a lot of things that happen it's very hard to uh, yeah. see through look it's done well and um, yep probably coming off a low base but uh, you look, if you read all the pieces that they're looking at it looks interesting you want to you know in a lower growth environment these kind of things actually do quite well if you trust management and you think they can execute yeah. then this can be good um, Wilson's um,
2: a good manager yeah and, good and,
0: and, and reputation and and the, the trick problem is of course um, it's very it's these things can be you know it's a bit like QBE back in the day you can manage the profits it's very hard to tell when things are going wrong till yeah. they go wrong. Yeah. A- and so I cannot see when things go wrong. So if I can't see through the data or some leading indicator that tells me when things go wrong, well, I'm flying blind. Yeah. I don't like to do that. Uh, right. So in that context, it just it, I mean, I think they're good and I think they've done well. They probably will continue to do well. I just don't have the ability mm-hmm. to judge whether they're doing badly at any time. So okay. that's why I can't
3: get into yeah. it. Yeah. Well, when, when the short report for Blue Sky came out, the one of the chief concerns was the way that blue sky was recognizing asset values when they're reporting their um, net asset value calculation because most of the assets in this fund are unlisted
1: Mm.
3: there's a lot of discretion involved in how what what price you set those asset values at and that remains a key problem um, for the business now most of these assets are actually unlisted the biggest asset here is a a water fund a fund that um, owns um, non-agricultural well, it's agriculture but it's it's non-irrigated water rights and no. a previous l- life i actually priced water i have built water price models i know that market really well and it's fascinating it's a good asset to have in a drought <laughs> 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 when, when it's raining a lot, a lot. Uh, these things move around a lot and i yeah. and i cannot understand how the nav of that asset has not pushed that share price down. It's their right. biggest holding, there's exactly. a lot of water around, okay. like right. what's going on there? And you know? I'll put two um, other things out yeah. there,
0: as, as Graf was explaining. One, China is looking to put an ETF on water. Interesting. Um. Right. Two, uh, if you look at the venture capital volumes going through in the US, mm. they've actually dived. Right. So again, if I was to find indicators, those would be telling me right. there's a danger sign and this hasn't reacted to any of them.
2: Okay, all right, let's recap the uh, the final five stocks as we're quickly coming up to the top of the hour. Uh, Dubbin, a watch from Gorev, a no from uh, from Mathan. Um, he prefers Appen in that sector, but thinks Appen will Still pull back even further, so not now. Uh, Phineas, and no. Uh, Rizzi Mech, um, a watch from um, Gorab, but would prefer G in this yeah. space. A note from Nathan. Uh, Booktora, uh, Booktopia, uh, wait and see how they go. Way too early. And uh, Wilson, or the Wham, alternative. Um, hard to really value, but good managers. It's just yeah, hard it to bad. put a value on a lot of mm. the assets in it. Uh, gentlemen. Good to see you. Likewise. Thank you for coming in to today. Yeah. Always great fun. <laughs> Gaurav Sodhi from Intelligent Investor, <laughs> Matan Somerson-Darren from Deep Data Analytics. Great to see you. See you nice next man. time. Uh, here on the call we have our own portfolio. We've been tracking since the 1st of July any stocks that get two thumbs up. What do we get today? Telstra. Who would have thought <laughs> Telstra would be thought. going into the core portfolio, particularly from these two. Yeah. Um, goes into the portfolio mm. We track it if the stock comes up again doesn't get unanimous approval by that particular uh, panel that goes out again let's take a look at how it's been going down three percent for the last week uh, down one percent for the month up just over 22 percent uh, since the first of july some of the stocks that have recently been added incitec pivot 40s memory Cell, Whitehawk, uh, Grange Resources, okay. uh, BetaShares, Global Bank, CTF Objective Corporation, some of the ones taken out, Hum, the old Flexi Group, oh, yeah. uh, Ridley Corporation, St Barbara and Qantas. Now if you want to check out stocks in the portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Uh, if you want any stocks uh, covered by our panels, flick us an email, the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at uh, AusBizTB Twitter handle. And coming up on the Startup Daily Show today, joined by astrophysicist, Alan Duffy, as he launches a new Space Technology and Industry Institute. That's coming up on the Startup Daily Show. It's an hour of looking at scale-up startups, venture capital and the like. That's it from us for today, back same time, midday tomorrow. For another episode of The Call, a lot happening on Ausbiz coming up the other side of the break.
1: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer.